and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about potassium on today's program. And you know what? We gave Brian the day off. It's his birthday today, so he wanted to have a day to do other stuff, which is awesome. I'm glad that he glad that he could do that. But he's missing out on one of his favorite topics and one that honestly has been such a game changer on our farm. There, there's a few things over the years that I would say really made a huge difference on our farm. And potassium and learning more about that has absolutely been one of them. And I would say this too, if you're kind of new to listening to our show, or you just listen occasionally, you may have not have heard this before, but when we look at a lot of soils, especially soils that are uh, a little heavier soil, a little more clay content, a little higher organic matter, like in the corn belt of the United States, we've got so much ground that we just can't pull enough potassium out of it in a hurry when the crop needs it at the reproductive time. So in corn, we need so much potassium after the plant has tasseled and is starting to put out silks from there on through the rest of the season. We've got a high demand for potassium, but we need some throughout the season. Soybeans, it's even more of a draw. Once we hit the reproductive stages, soybeans need more than five pounds of potassium per acre per day. And it's really hard to get that out of a heavy soil, even if you have normal moisture conditions. But if you're under a drought, you just don't have enough moisture there to be able to pull enough K out. And that's a big killer on yield. So the answer for us in our dry land ground has been increase the base saturation percentage of potassium. Now, base saturation is just a measurement, uh, just in layman's terms, the positively charged nutrients in our soil, how much can our soil hold, and then what percentage of each is there. We want to have a high percentage of potassium in our soils. We'd like to be at least 4%, up to about 7.5% or 8%, depending on whose scale you're working on or whose soil test you're working on. But we want a lot of potassium out there, so when our plant tries to pull in water to get the food that it needs... We've got a high percentage of K in that that water that's going into the plant, and ultimately we're going to feed that plant well. For us, a couple of the big things that we saw with our soybeans, we got bigger seed size. And when you think about how many seeds per pound are in your soybean seed when you're planting them, uh, well, how do you get those big 2,000 seeds per pound soybean seeds or 2,400 seeds per pound soybean seeds, not the little BBs that are 3,200 seeds per pound or 3,600 seeds per pound. Well, one of the ways that you get that is by supplying an adequate amount of potassium for the plant. So we greatly increased our seed size. And one of the interesting things in our trials over the last couple of decades we haven't necessarily, because of potassium, seen more pods or even more soybeans per plant, but we see significantly larger soybeans in the pods. And that has resulted in a lot of yield for us. So we went from, hey, 40 bushels per acre is a pretty good yield to now if we don't get 70, we're really disappointed. And in those 70 bushel fields where we have adequate moisture down in the, the lower parts of the field, oftentimes we'll have 100 bushel soybeans. So it's made a big, big difference for us. And that's even with group two soybeans in South Dakota. <laughs> that's not a, a group three or a group four bean that have a little bit more yield potential and a longer growing season to grow them. So it, it's made a huge difference on the soybean side. The other thing on the soybeans that we've noted 
And this is a comment that I get every year at the Ag PhD Field Day. I'll have people say, man, I'm looking at your soybeans here and the stems are so much bigger in diameter. What kind of soybeans are they? And while variety does make a difference, there's no question about that, a bigger difference can be made with fertility. And where we've got good levels of K, we get thicker stalks, so we get better standability, and that's been fantastic for us in our soybeans as well. On the corn side, a lot of people, when we think about potassium, talk about the stalk. And one of my favorite stories was when I went to see, uh, in the early 2000s, I went out to see the world record corn grower at that time, Francis Childs, and he had over 400 bushel dryland corn. And there was a hybrid that he was planting that was noted for having stock problems all across the state of Iowa. In fact, on the drive to Francis's farm, uh, he farmed on the east side of Iowa. I saw all kinds of fields that had fallen over by the first part of September and the stocks were given up. And that was the most popular hybrid in the state of Iowa. Well, when I got to Francis's farm, those stocks were huge and it was that same hybrid. And I said, what did you do different? And he said, the problem that I see in our state, and, and you think Iowa's got really fertile soils. He said, the problem is a lot of a lot of fertilizer dealers will recommend that you put out crop removal rates of potassium. Just put back what you took out. We've got plenty in our soil is what people think. But he said it's not true. There isn't enough potassium in the soil to really feed that crop. And he said, so you have to look at, uh, and now we've got the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app. But at that time, uh, he would just look at charts from university research of, okay, how much potassium does a plant really need? And then he said, I would look at not only crop removal, but also what I needed for a good stover and good stalks. And it's a lot. It's over 400 pounds for 200 bushel corn. So we need to be able to pull that out of the ground every year. Now, you don't have to fertilize with that much once you get your levels up to 4 to 8% base saturation K and have adequate parts per million out there. But still, he said, a lot of people have only been looking at crop removal for a generation. And what's happened over time is we've actually depleted our potassium, and now our availability is not very good in our soils, so we end up with smaller stocks. We're still producing great yield, and our yields keep going up, but the problem is we're planting more population, and we've got less potassium left for the stocks, so we're getting thinner and thinner stocks, and we're much more susceptible to having a problem, especially on a dry year. That's why we think potassium is so important. We've seen it on our own farm. It's made so much of a difference with our crop, and we know it can for you as well. Now, everybody's in a little different situation with heavy soils, light soils. So we've got some great guests coming on today from uh, across North America to talk about potassium. And, of course, if you've got a story you want to share or an agronomic question, our phones will be open all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitec fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitec. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitec. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitec fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Combine header loss means loss income. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 
It's common to see a two bushel loss per acre due to header loss. That's over $14 per acre. 360 Yield Saver replacement gathering chains cut header loss by cushioning the ear and by closing the gaps between the deck plates. 360 Yield Saver can cut header loss by 80%, adding $14 per acre. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking potassium today. I know. We like to talk about potassium. It's been such an important nutrient for us on our farm and, and for other farms that we work with around the world. So we'll talk a little about that nutrient today, what you need to look for on your farm to know if you need some more potassium or if you're doing just fine. We'll also keep our phone lines open at 844-44-AG-PHD if you have an agronomic question. Start off down in the state of Georgia. We've got Molly Alexander on right now with AgroLiquid. How are you doing, Molly? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me again. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to talk to you and for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, we're talking about potassium, and I don't want to just talk about the soil. I want to talk about feeding that plant as well, uh, whether that's foliar or infurrow or whatnot. So I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about just different soils. So for us in South Dakota, a lot of our soil, pretty heavy, high CEC, uh, higher organic matter soil, Georgia, uh, not not quite so much. I've been to Georgia a number of times. A lot of lighter soils down there. It makes it a little more of a challenge with potassium. Oh, yes, it does. So um, Georgia is kind of split in half. The northern part of it, we do have a pretty heavy red clay base. But when you get down into more of the high-end production acres um, from that central kind of southern part, it's a lot of sand. And we know sand, we have really low CEC we just have a lot of problems with nutrients leaching out and running away from us. And so we do deal with quite a bit of potassium issues in Georgia. And, I mean, it's, it's pretty much widespread across the southeast. So I understand what you're saying. We're, we're a different animal down here with oh, 3 cc sure. being about our best. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because sometimes growers will say, well, my CEC is only seven, eight, whatever the number may be. I, I can't raise crop like the guys in Iowa can with a CEC of 15 or 20 or 25. That has nothing to do with produ production. You can raise great production on, yeah, like you say, three CEC soils. You can raise it on 30 CEC soils, but it does take different management. And you mentioned just within your own state of how different the management gets from one end to the other. So talk to us about that heavy red clay, uh, that's a little different animal where you need a lot more 
pounds of potassium out in a field really to get the job done. We do, and in the northern part of the state, um, we have a lot of pine trees grown up there, and we do have a lot of pasture land, but we do have some row crop production in this northern portion of it. And as far as the potassium needs, um, our calcium up there is uh, pretty high if you look at our base saturation on our soil test. And so we know that calcium competes in the plant for potassium, and so we have to kind of, we have to really get our soil balanced out to help with the potassium uptake in those soils. Now, when you move down to that southern part and we have the sands and low CECs, we still address it in the same way as far as a load of potassium up front. But I have been a big proponent of spreading that potassium out. So I think we should do that load up front, whether we're in the clays or in the sands. But we need a lot more potassium fed throughout the season instead of just one dump like we used to at the very beginning. Um, it, it's, it's kind of the same practices, I would say, across the board, but we just need a little bit more in that southern region because we're growing more high potassium uh, removal crops like cotton where we're not growing many cotton acres in that northern portion. Cotton is is one crop that we don't grow up here very much of. We might have a little bit at the IPHD <laughs> Field Day. That's about it. We got some guests that are in the studio today from Tennessee. I'm betting that a few of those folks uh, know a little something about cotton too. But uh, when I, I think about corn and the demand that it has, and also, you know, we need a little bit of potassium all throughout the season on these high demand crops. But man, when we're starting to make seed, uh, we need a lot more. So as you mentioned. Putting out K early to build up soil levels is one thing. Feeding that crop during the season is another. And it's it's tough getting potassium into some of these crops. There are a lot of different sources out there, but they don't all work. What are you finding, Molly? So one of the big buzzwords in our area, and it's not, it's not an uncommon or a new thing. It's not a new... Um, source of potassium by any means, but it's kind of become a trend and a buzzword, and that's potassium acetate. And we all have different sources. There's different companies that source different forms of potassium, and they think that potassium acetate has become a better source in the foliar sense. And the only difference that I have found uh, between some of the sources that we use, so across the board we have um, potassium carbonate, potassium sulfate, now we have potassium acetate. And the only difference that I've seen um, as far as availability or really performance is solubility. And I've compared multiple ones across on different crops, different forms, and I've really not seen much of a difference. So I would say when you're selecting your potassium source um, for your field, look at your crop, look at what stage it's in. Are we suffering from drought? Are we suffering from um, maybe too much water? And just also availability of what you can purchase and for how much. So I think it goes down to what you can get, how much you can get it for, and what you're actually using it for. But in my area, acetate has become a buzzword, but I've not truly seen in an agronomic sense. It's too, it's not doing much more than if you went and got a potassium carbonate source or anything else that's available. So I wouldn't say let that steer you wrong. 
You know, there is a lot of salesmanship in the agricultural industry, no doubt about that. In the fertilizer business, no different. A lot of people get excited. Hey, we've got a new product. It's better than everything else. Every new product, Molly, seems to be better than everything else. And and like you said, when you do the research, uh, oftentimes it isn't. It's one of the things I respect about AgriLiquid. You do so much research all over the country and and. Uh, and beyond, and then looking at lots of different crops, whether it's vegetables or row crops or or whatnot. Um, you know, as you look at different crops and you look at at products that that guys are going to use, what what do you like to do when you you mentioned splitting things up, putting some down in the soil and then some in the crop? How do you do that for a guideline? Is there a certain amount you want to put on, or a percentage you want to put on up front, and, and a certain percentage you want to do in crop, or how how do you make those decisions? Well, the first and foremost thing that we do is we get a soil test. And so when we get the soil test, we evaluate the base saturation. And base saturation is going to tell us essentially what's available right then and right there and whether your soil is balanced or not balanced. Um, You can look at PPMs all you want to, but just for example, if you have a high calcium-based soil and you have a super abundance of phosphorus, you probably have an abundance of phosphorus because you have an abundance of calcium and it's an antagonistic relationship. And so I always go back to that base saturation. I look at my values there first and I look and see if we have a balance because there's different values that those fall into. And if we're out of balance, it's going to affect nutrient uptake and availability from the start. And then you have to, of course, look at pH and CEC. And so I start there with the soil test. And then based upon the soil test and what you have as a basis and a foundation, I will then make my recommendations as far as dry units and then move forward to the liquid. Um, I've always said it needs to be a marriage between the two forms, dry and liquid, because they both serve a purpose. I've always said that I think dry is a good way to feed the soil and build a residual bank, and then liquid is a great way to feed the plant itself and feed it quickly. Yeah, there's a lot to know about fertility, yet it's not that complicated when you have the basics, starting with a soil test, looking at things like the base saturation, also paying attention to your parts per million as well. You need a certain amount of pounds of food out there, but uh, making sure that your crop can get the potassium it needs is super important. Speaking with Molly Alexander here with AgroLiquid. Molly, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the information today, and, and good luck to you here throughout the growing season. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Talking potassium on our show today, certainly it's not the only nutrient that our crops need, but it is one of the big ones that we need plenty of. Uh, So we'll continue that discussion. Also keep our phone lines open at 844-44-AG-PHD for your calls and agronomic questions. And as always, you can email us radio at agphd.com if you have a soil test you'd like us to take a look at or a tissue test you'd like another opinion on, we'd be happy to help. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. 
Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. It's Brian's birthday, so he's got the day off. And <laughs> I'm Darren Hefty. I've been in the studio today talking potassium, which, you know what? Too bad for Brian, because potassium is absolutely one of his favorite topics. It's made such a difference on our farm as we've learned more about potassium. I'm not saying we got it all figured out yet, but as we've learned more and continue to learn on that important nutrient for our crop. Got our friend Kellen Huber on right now with Keltech Ag up in Saskatchewan. How you doing, Kellen? I'm doing really good. How's Darren doing today? You know what? Uh, I got the studio all to myself here. I'm I'm doing pretty good. This this is kind of fun. We're talking potassium, and I don't even have to listen to Brian today. It's great. 
all about the 1,400 pounds per acre test that he well, does whenever and, he wants to? You know, here's the thing about that, Kellen. That's on my ground. And, you know, sometimes when we try crazy <laughs> things out that are my idea, I'm great. Let's put it on my ground. It's my idea. If it goes wrong, it's it's on me. But when Brian has a crazy idea and he said, let's try it out on some of Darren's ground, I don't know. I get nervous about those things. But, yeah, we did actually put 1,400 pounds of potash out one fall. Well, it happened to be the fall of 2011. And we all know what happened in 2012. It just didn't rain. And so that potassium just sat there for like a year and a half before we finally got some moisture and things started working. But hey, that field did really well. And actually is one of our best looking fields this year. So I'm pretty excited about it because we had enough potassium that our crop didn't have to pull so much moisture out of the ground. And this year, there wasn't much moisture to spare down here. How about in Saskatchewan? What do you see with potassium? Well, potassium, what's happening right now is we went through a huge drought. And, you know, you and I going back and talk about heat stress, you know, and I tell you that we hit 100 degrees in Saskatchewan. And, you know, uh, I remember Darren kind of giving me, or Brian giving me static about, we don't know what hot is in Saskatchewan, but we had a record amount of heat still this fall and this summer. And when you have that type of heat, the potassium levels in your soil dramatically get removed because that plant is just fighting so hard to stay alive. And potassium is one of those uh, heat stress uh, components that really helps out. So you can never go wrong with having too much potassium in our soil. No. And, you know, here's the other challenge, Kellen. You, you get to work with farmers with all different types of soils and some really heavy, high CEC soil, some a little lighter. To build up soil levels in that heavy ground, it's not cheap. It takes a little time. It takes quite a few pounds. Well, no, and our CECs are high. You know, we're talking anywhere from 28 to 60 CEC soil. So, yeah, there's a lot of carrying capacity, but we kind of, we use that as, I get the I get the conversation all the time, but we have lots of it. Mosaic takes potash out of the ground all the time. And I'm going, yep, you're right. But unfortunately, those roots got to go down, oh, about a mile or so to, you know, get that raw potassium that's down there. And those are the factors that we run into. You know, you got to look at a soil test at that 6-inch level, 12-inch level, 18-inch level, and find out how much is actually in that zone because those are the roots can actively get to. And, of course, yeah, you need that water, but potassium also helps make um, a plant healthy and by moving water into the plant. So potassium, it is hard to build up, especially in these heavy CEC soils. Um, like you said earlier on, if you would just take and put the removal rate on, that would be half the battle. But as you guys have mentioned over the time, and I mention it all the time, when you're putting your budget tree together, you take and you put the other essential nutrients on, and whatever you got left in the budget, then you put that into potassium. Yeah, our dad talked about it like the soil was your bank. And he said, if you've got a few extra dollars, if you have one of those years where you're actually going to make money on the farm, which 
Honestly, my dad farmed through the 80s. There there weren't very many of those years back then. But when you have years that are good, he would say that's that's the time to get a little extra potassium out there because there are going to be years where things are tighter and it's not cheap. It's going to take some money to keep that going. So I think that was good advice for us. And it really showed us when we had soils built up with K, what plants look like compared to ground where we were a little short. Well, speaking of plants, you know, there's a lot of things that you can see K deficiency in, like potatoes. Those are a big one. And we have a few guys up here that are doing potatoes and you get a lot of scabbing going on. And again, lack of potassium, but one of the other things that we have up here in Western Canada and primarily Saskatchewan, a lot of is salt, you know, sodium. And if you get too much sodium and you get, you know, not enough potassium, well, then you run into problems because now the water is being taken away from the plant. And that's when you really start seeing root diseases like in soya beans or even wheat. But just to take some of the things off the top of my head, when you got a lack in cereal crops, you take and you start getting like flag smut and take all disease. And again, and a lot of times we see where guys will take and they'll put lots of nitrogen down and then the crop will take and lodge and fall over. Everybody figured for years that's a nitrogen problem, but actually that turned out to be a potassium problem because the stock wasn't strong enough to hold up. And, you know, you and I have talked about that in corn and other, you know, tall crops that you get a lot of stock break from. You know, you mentioned the take-all, and there's a farmer in our state that that had a take-all problem, and he started using seed treatment, and he saw his disease uh, go down greatly. He, he helped it a lot, but you're right. What is the source? Why are our plants weak in those fields and in those areas? If we feed the plants right they've just got a much better chance of being healthy all throughout the season. And we're not just feeding the plant. We're also feeding everything in the soil. That's the other part that I think catches a lot of people's attention that, well, I'm just putting out this plant food for the plants, but we're actually feeding those microbes in the soil. It all works as one big, one big operation. Yeah, it does. And, you know, one of the things that I found over years, and this has been a lot of trials, a lot of time periods of actually trying to figure out, you know, Saskatchewan has a lot of phosphate deficiencies. And in the plant, you're trying to figure out how to get that phosphate up with the heavy mag soils, the heavy CEC soils. And what I found over over the period of time is when you bring your K levels up in your soils or using a starter that has a high K value to it, and I'm going to say, you know, like a potassium hydroxide or a potassium carbonate or a potassium acetate in that liquid starter. And man, does that drive phosphate into those plants. And I've seen it through tissue tests. I've th- seen it through sap testing. And, you know, it just draws that nutrient in, especially at germination time. And, you know, as your earlier caller said, you know, getting it out front and especially at germination time, having good potassium levels, boy, does that ever make a difference in your plant and how healthy it and green and vim and vigor, how it just turns out so much more and it usually turns into a really good yield. 
Well, ultimately, we've got to get paid for all these things that we're doing out in the fields. And what I've found over the years as we build our soils up, they're they're more consistently productive. And as you mentioned earlier, they can tolerate some of the stresses like heat. We've got 100-degree weather coming again next week. And, yeah, it just seems like this is the summer that doesn't quit. I, I'm glad we're in a pretty good spot. Hey, Kellen, uh, we got about a half a minute left. You got any last points you want to leave us with? Well, there's so many different forms of potassium out there. Be careful when you use what. You know, I always recommend good KCL, you know, potash and fall. You know, those are ideal times. But if you're really lacking in potassium in your plants after doing tissue and sap testing, get a good foliar spray. Get it out there early. Mix it in with your nitrogen. Mix it in with your fungicides or your nutrient applications because there's a lot of forms and it works tremendously well getting it in the plant during um, the growth period. You know, you can pull plant tissue analysis. You can use sap analysis. There's a lot of different ways to see what's actually happening. I think that you make a great point, Kellen. When you use products, take a look at those things. Do before and after testing to see what you're actually driving into that plant. It, it can help you make better decisions going forward. Kellen, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on again. Hey, excellent. I always enjoy the conversation. Take care, buddy. You bet. We'll talk more about potassium coming up right after this. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Corn rootworms are called the billion dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot you can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, 
or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about one of our favorite crop nutrients, potassium. But we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And we got Miles on the phone right now from over in Wisconsin. How you doing, Miles? Not too bad. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. What can we do for you? So I got a question about manganese. I've been soil testing and uh, doing a bunch of tissue tests for the past three years here, I got a dairy farm okay. and, uh, my soil tests consistently come back at like a three to a seven parts per million on a DTPA. Okay. And my tissue tests are coming back at anywhere between 30 to 40 parts per million on a, on the corn. Okay. All right, so so the DTPA, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, one of the things yep. that we found with that DTPA test on manganese, it's the only thing that we really were struggling with with that test. We just couldn't get manganese levels on our farm to show up. We actually went out on some of our ground, and I was talking, we're talking potassium today, and <laughs> our friend Kellen Huber brought up an experiment Brandon and I did where he put 1,400 pounds of potash out on one of my fields or on half of one of my fields. And it, it really did bring the potassium up uh, over a couple of years, no doubt about that. But, uh, but one of the other crazy experiments that we did is manganese sulfate. It's really expensive. It's probably our preferred manganese dry source. It's like yep. $2,300 or $2,400 a ton. So it's, it's expensive. It's like three dollars and thirty or three dollars and fifty cents a unit of manganese and uh, I guess you could take some money off if you figure you're getting a bunch of sulfur in there too but but still it's 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 expensive we put a hundred pounds per acre out just to see if we could bring our manganese levels up and our DTPA test hardly showed it at all but we were, when we ran a malic soil test it's a different extraction method and our manganese showed up tremendously. And we could see where we put on the 100 pounds of manganese sulfate and where we didn't. And so at that point, we're like, man, as we're really working on some of these micros like manganese, we're just going to pull ma uh, Malik 3 tests. And, and that works pretty well for us. They're slightly cheaper than the... Um, then the other testing that we were doing, still running it through Midwest Labs. Midwest Labs is so fantastic. They, they can run about anything you want them to run. So we started yeah. running the S3CM tests 
Uh, so the same complete analysis just with Malik. And, and then we saw a little better read on what our manganese was. But back to your tissue sampling, if your tissue samples are also showing low, well, maybe your field is low. I just don't know if it's necessarily three to seven parts per million. We'd love to see 40 parts per million, but I don't know that that DTPA test is going to show it. I think we got to look at a, at a Malik test personally. Yep. But if my tissue tests are a third of what they should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good indication. Okay. Things are not right. Yep. yep. Uh, so what would be the best way to go about applying? Well, what, what we did is we used manganese sulfate and we used that in the fall and that worked pretty well for us. Manganese isn't a fast mover. Yes. It isn't a fast mover through the soil. Uh, so if you put it out about the same time you're putting manure out and you're going to do some tillage, that'll get that manganese down in the soil too. Okay. Um, is there anything, could you run manganese sulfate and mix it into maybe your starter fertilizer? Or Absolutely. That... You could do, you could do manganese as a starter also. Uh, so there are liquid products. I know, um, uh, the one that we've used has been from agro liquid. They've got a really nice manganese product too. Uh, but you, you can check whatever is available in your area. Um, but yes, there, there are good manganese sources that could run with your starter fertilizer. You bet. And it's cheaper to do All that right. way than broadcasting. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for the call, Miles. That answers my question. You bet. <laughs> yeah, thank hey, you. Hey, uh, quick question for you. How how does your yep. silage corn look this year? Are you guys short two, or or is your corn good height and looks great? Um, It's hanging on. <laughs> We're uh, right in a little pocket here that avoided rain for about a month and a half in yep. early June and late May, so... But it's starting to come along. It's yeah. a little bit short, but we'll make it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna have uh, definitely gonna hurt in the tonnage a little bit. Ours is shorter as well, just due to dry this year. That's why I was curious. We're gonna start cutting here late August, maybe first of September, something like that. What are what are you guys looking at over there? Uh, it'll probably be second week of September when we start. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We've just had so much heat here, and we got another week next week coming of hundred degree temps that we're we're just pushing things along super fast. So, well, good luck to you, yeah. Miles. Thanks for thanks for the call. Hopefully, everything turns out great for you, and and uh, hopefully things are going well for your dairy too. All right, thank you. You bet. Talking potassium on our show today and, and also taking your questions via email, radio at agphd.com or uh, on the phone lines like Miles just did, 844-44-AG-PHD. I uh, got some questions here that came in for the Ag PhD mailbag. I'll dive in there. <laughs> I just have to quit talking so she can play that music. Uh, first, this one comes from DP and and. DP says, hey, you guys are talking about using gibberellic acid on your corn crop. And we were just talking about silage here uh, just a minute ago. And DP says, I wonder, do you see any difference on yield? Does it help yield? Does it hurt yield? Uh, having that plant push more energy into growing taller early in the season with gibberellic acid. Hey, thanks, DP. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was really curious about that as well. And we've done a number of tests on our farm, but also the gibberellic acid supplier that, that we use, we've been using Rise Up Smart Grass and getting that from Valent. Uh, so that's available, I think, worldwide. They may have some different names in different countries, but Rise Up Smart Grass is the brand name they use here in the U.S. 
their data shows better tonnage and significant enough that it's absolutely worth treating. But in terms of grain yield, they just haven't seen a consistent gain on the yield side. It doesn't hurt anything. Uh, and sometimes they do gain more grain, uh, but not not you wouldn't put it on just because you think you're going to get more yield. So if tonnage is what you're after, use the gibberellic acid. If if not, uh, I wouldn't say that it's going to be a big, big mover on the grain side. Uh, got this one in from M.M. Uh, uh, M. And the question on corn reproductive stage, we were talking the other, the other day. Uh, what about what about spacing of that corn? And what do you like for your row spacing? And how much distance do you want to see between each seed? You know what? That does really, uh, thanks for the question, M.M. And it, it really makes a difference where you're at, what the productivity of the ground is. And here's something that we use. We use a factor of 10. And so what, what we're looking for, let's just say that we wanted to raise 300 bushel corn. If we're raising 300 bushel corn, we would need divide that number by 10, and that's 30. And we would figure we'd need 30,000 seeds to raise 10, 300 bushel corn. And we normally see a range of somewhere between 7 and 10 bushels per 1,000 seeds. So if you were seeding 30,000 seeds, we would say your yield potential is somewhere between 210 bushels and 300 bushels on the high side. Now, I'm not saying just because you planted 30,000 seeds, you're going to get 210 bushels. That's not the case. If you have everything right, you have the right amount of water, you have the right amount of plant food and the right amount of sunshine, that's your potential in that 210 to 300 bushel corn. It's going to get a majority of it. So that's kind of what we use to figure out how many seeds to put out there. And then you can do the math on how far apart they have to be, depending on what row spacing you're using. Now, there is no one row spacing that's going to be the absolute best for corn. The row spacing that we use on our farm is 30 inches. So in between the rows, there's roughly 30 inches. That's that's roughly a meter, just a little short of one meter uh, if you're using the metric system. So that's what we're doing for a spacing between rows. And then we're putting out on our farm, on average, I would say about 32,000 seeds per acre and spreading them out in 30-inch rows. So we've got a handy tool you can download for free. Uh, if you look for our Ag PhD apps uh, on whatever device or tablet that you've got, you can look at the planting population calculator and type in what your population is. and It'll tell you the spacing you need between those seeds, depending on the row spacing that you're using. Thanks for the question, MM. We'll be right back to talk a little more potassium and take your questions after this. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. 
Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We've been talking about potassium on the show. We've been diving into the Ag PhD mailbag a little bit. If you have a question, you can send it in radio at agphd.com or call us 844-44-AG-PHD. And uh, to continue that potassium discussion, got our friend Kyle Long on with Kinsey Ag. Uh, and you can find uh, Kinsey Ag at K-I-N-S-E-Y-Ag.com. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Darren. Good to be here. Well, we're talking potassium, and certainly you get a lot of questions about this and, and guys trying to interpret their soil tests and figure out, well, what do I need to put on my fields or what do I need to put on my garden or what do I need to put on my lawn to make it grow better? And often right. you're recommending potassium. So what do you look for on soil tests to, to figure this out, Kyle? Uh, generally, what we look is the uh, base saturation percentage uh, and also what type of crop you're going to grow. Generally, whenever we look at potassium, we like to keep an absolute minimum of 2% base saturation for our, we would call our lower value crops, but just a minimum of 2% in general for all crops is what I would say. And that 5% uh, base saturation percent being our ideal for uh, the majority of crops on woody crops and maybe gardens where uh, you're doing more vines and things, we like to see more of a 7.5%. But that would be our maximum uh, saturation level for uh, any crop. When we start exceeding that 7.5%, we start to show 
signs of uh, tying up boron and uh, beginning to increase weed pressure. So, and also we have to watch the potassium if that seven and a half percent, especially in sandy conditions, whenever it starts getting above magnesium, if we're not watching our magnesium and that potassium creeps up, that can start causing you issues as well. But with a increased potassium, you get, uh, you know, better, uh, efficient moisture efficiency and utilization. And, uh, you know, we get thermal, better thermal regulation. So in colder climates, you know, as we increase that potassium, we start seeing uh, better thermal regulation and as well as uh, cell strength as well. So, you know, there's a lot of benefits from having the correct potassium. It just depends on what kind of crop you're growing and the, you know, what percentage you're, you find inherently in the soil. One thing that, that uh, you talk about a lot, and, and of course, Neil Kinsey and all the folks with Kinsey Ag talk about this, the balance of nutrients is so important. And that's one question that we probably get as much as any when it comes to soil fertility is uh, this balance thing. When I'm looking at my soil test, is there an easy way to tell if I'm in balance or, or out of balance? You mentioned the base saturation test. What do you like to see on that, Kyle, as you look across those nutrients? Where do you like to see each of them at? And like you mentioned, well, here's what happens if you have too much K or too little K. Now, there, obviously, base saturation adds up to 100%. So if you, you get out of line on some of those other nutrients, it can can really make potassium tough. Right, yeah. So what I look at first is mostly base saturation. If we're going for uh, looking at soil structure, that's, that's where base saturation percentages play the biggest role is determining how, uh, you know, what kind of house do you have for that plant and that microbiology that's in it all the other nutrients like phosphate and all those we're uh we're looking at just what we're trying to grow and we have specific ranges that we're going for but for base saturation in general we're looking at higher levels we're looking for more 68 12 on calcium magnesium and more five percent potassium uh and then uh on the as we decrease that exchange capacity we're looking at adding more magnesium back because we need that magnesium to hold more water and to be able to disperse those clay particles and promote that proper soil structure that we're looking for but the potassium generally will always stay around five percent if if we're talking about ideals unless we're talking about vines or woody woody crops because that's when we're going to see the biggest effect and the most uh bang for your buck the only issue would be if we're trying to try and build that up if we have a higher pH because of our groundwater or whatever we're doing, then it's harder to build up that potassium in heavier soil conditions. So we have to start putting on more in smaller increments to make sure that we're getting the efficiency that we can out of that because we're not going to get 100% efficiency out of our potassium input. All right, you mentioned kind of some ranges here on the base saturation. Like with potassium, you mentioned a minimum of 2% base saturation K, but maybe up to 7.5% or something on the high end, depending on what you're right. growing. How about in some of the really, really light, low CEC soils that you work with? Let's, for example, say you're farming a, a 3 CEC and you want to raise 100 bushel soybeans. That's going to take a lot of K to get that done. Do you have to mm -hmm. overload the K base saturation at the start of the year, or do you just have to be feeding all through the year? How, how do farmers manage that? Um, it just depends on which crop is done. Uh, if you're looking at soybeans, all we're doing right there is we're trying to 
give the crop what it needs to reproduce. That's the ultimate goal that we're trying to do. So uh, if you're scouting out there and you say, oh, well, I don't have that much uh, potassium this year, it might be better to, if you can, you know, fertigate some potassium on. But really, however you however you can get it on, you need to get it on. And it depends on, yeah, the yield goal that you're trying to get to, uh, how much that crop's going to take off. So utilizing some sort of, uh, you know, crop calculator to figure out the yield or what yield you're going to determine and see how much potassium that's going to pull up. That's uh, what you would need over and above what uh, the soil structure would need. But if we get above 7.5%, even in sandy conditions, then we start running the risk of tying up boron and stuff. So it's better to do it slowly and spoon feed it throughout the year rather than to just dump it on all at once. But because especially it takes so little to do such a big or make a big difference. So uh, ideally, we would like to spoon feed it. But if we have to, then we just have to make the management decision and go, okay, we might have to, uh, you know, take these consequences because we can only do one pass, you know. So it's all about management and economics at that point. Yeah, there's a lot of choices that you have to make on the farm, no doubt about that. And, and you know, honestly, most, most farms, we're going to be farming that same ground for a long time. So it doesn't all have to happen overnight, but potassium is certainly one you want to focus on. Try and get it up into ideal levels if you can, and then feed each crop that you're going to raise. We're talking with Kyle Long here with Kinsey Ag again, K-I-N-S-E-Y ag.com. Kyle, I see you get a new ag podcast that, that you just started last month. Uh, you got a lot of stuff going on. It's it's kind of fun to see the publications and articles and all these things and uh, see Kinsey Ag moving forward. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's been exciting. Uh, we've been looking to do that for a while and finally just bit the bullet and uh, decided to share what we have. Yeah, it's been great. We've we've talked with Neil Kinsey on the show a number of times. Of course, we've had Kyle on a number of times here and, and others. Uh, but it's been fun for us uh, learning more about soil fertility together and, and uh, putting a lot of these things in practice and seeing what's going on. And, and yeah, we always applaud when people want to share what they've learned over the years. So check that out at KinseyAg.com as you have time. Hey, Kyle, thank you so much. Good luck to you guys, and, and thanks for being on the show today. All right. Thank you, Darren. Looking forward to seeing you next time. You bet. Been talking potassium on the show today. Certainly lots of, of potassium questions. And, and if you've got questions or soil tests uh, or plant tissue tests that you'd like us to take a look at, more than happy to do that. Uh, sometimes the discussion does uh, move on beyond just one nutrient. Maybe you call like uh, earlier on our show today, uh, we were talking to Miles over in Wisconsin. He was concerned about man- manganese on his farm. Uh, and sometimes, yeah, there is one clear nutrient that, wow, that one is a real problem. But other times there's multiple things. And Kyle Long kind of touched on that a little bit that, man, maybe we got some soil structure issues. Maybe the magnesium is off and that that's making it harder for us. Or maybe we've got too much potassium and now that's tying up boron or something else. I know it seems a little bit complicated, but I just encourage you on your farmland, take soil samples, see what's going on out in the fields. If you need some help walking through them, you can certainly find good ag consultants like the the folks at Kinsey Ag. Or you can send them to us and, and get a, an opinion on what's going on in your field or some advice from Brian and me. We're happy to do that as well. Um, 
Potassium's made a big difference on our farm, no question about it. We can see when we pick up a, a new farm, it's one of the first things that we're trying to build up. In our heavy soils where we're at, we don't see potassium leaching out of soil. It stays put, so we can build up nutrient levels and hold them. In other soils where it's really light, sandy soil, uh, that can be a little more challenge where you have to focus more on feeding each crop that you're growing. Thanks for listening to our program today, and please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.